Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey, let me start off with a story. You know, I remember as a youth at church, well, everybody had a partner And one person was to have a blindfold and put it on. And the other one was to be the blind person's guide. Now, of course, you know, when the blind guide said to the person with the blindfold, turn to the right, well, they turned to the left. And it was funny. It was actually pretty hilarious. And they were supposed to guide them through this obstacle course. And, of course, the couple that got through it first, well, they were the winners. You know, the truth is, being actually blind is in no way fun, and it's no way funny. Blindness is a handicap, and blindness in living life in utter darkness is incredibly, well, a handicap. Have you ever experienced blindness? I'm not speaking about physical blindness but darkness all the same. A season of life where everything in life just seemed dark. There was just so much uncertainty and hazards that you just couldn't see over here, over there. If you ever faced a major betrayal, a major violation or injustice, then chances are you know what I'm speaking of. You know what it's like to live in a season of darkness. I personally know what it's like to have a season of darkness. For me, it has been, well, how I was treated or mistreated and how I trusted people in ministry. It was a really crushing time. It left me feeling like I was in a dark place. I felt uncertain. I felt scarred. I felt fearful. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you're going through a dark place right now. Today I want us to look at some scripture about a blind man and his unique story about how Jesus brings him out of a life of darkness into a life of light and a brand new fresh start. Let's turn to Mark chapter 8. We'll look at verses 22 to 26. And it reads, And they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a man who was blind to Jesus and begged him to touch him. Taking the man who was blind by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting in his eyes and laying his hands on him he asked him do you see anything and he looked up and said i see people for i see them like trees walking around then again he laid his hands on his eyes and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything everything clearly And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. Well, let's look at some points to ponder about Mark chapter 8. 
Number one, God honored, now I quote, some people because of their faith. It said in verse 22, and they came to Bethsaida, and some people brought a man who was blind to Jesus and begged him to touch him. It was not the elite that brought this person in great need who was living a life in darkness to Jesus. It was not people with titles like rabbi or Pharisee or Sadducee or pastor or deacon or elder. It was some people with unknown titles, if they even had a title in life. But they are not to be forgotten. You know, in Mark 7, again, we have some unknown people. We don't know if they have titles. And they bring a deaf man who is mute, who has a problem trying to speak, to Jesus. And in this story, the unidentified people are referred to simply as, quote, they. It reads, verse, 20, verse 32, and they brought to him one who was deaf and had difficulty speaking, and they begged him to lay his hands on him. What do we know about these people? The quote, the they, the quote, some people. What do we know about these people? We know that they had great faith that Jesus could heal. That they believed Jesus could help someone that they knew had a great need. They had faith for that. That they were willing to reach out to someone that they knew that was in great need and bring them to Jesus. That their actions were not about obtaining a personal benefit or a title for their deed. They were about being a blessing to someone they cared and loved. It was a demonstration of love and of faith. Oh, the power of faith. Oh, how, quote, they, and quote, some people who are not the Christian celebrity, who are not chasing a title, but are desiring a testimony that they can share with others. Look what God has done. Wow. Let's look at another thing to ponder on. Number two, God, catch this, tenderly guided the one in need away from the place of unbelief. It said in verse 23, Mark 8, right? Taking the man who was blind by the hand, he brought him out of the village. This denotes the tenderness of Jesus for the man who was living in a life of darkness. Did you notice that Jesus is taking the blind man by the hand and guiding him out of the village, away from a place that has become familiar to this blind man. Now, let's not miss the obvious here. Why is the blind man 
most likely in the village. Most likely he's there to beg for food, to beg for money, for charity. There is no welfare system, folks. There is no social security. This man, who is now blind, is forced to live a life as a beggar. When a person is blind, it's important to just be familiar with this. They want to be around familiar places, familiar settings. Because in the world of darkness, there are hazards. It is the familiar that brings comfort and safety to the blind. A blind person in their own home knows how many steps to get to the bathroom, how many steps to get to the kitchen. They know where their bed is. They know where everything is located. They know the sounds. They know the voices. And they know where things are because it's all familiar. And they can avoid the hazards. You know, we too can be like that when we're spiritually blind. When we're spiritually blinded by our offenses and our woundedness and our unforgiveness. When we hold a grudge, when we have an offense and we're so unforgiving, our woundedness causes us to see life in a dark tunnel. A dark tunnel of despair then our hearts can become, well, become dim, and then ultimately dark. And now we become spiritually blind. It's in that spiritual blindness that we can begin to embrace because it's dark, and we don't see these hazards. We begin to embrace lies and deceit and despair and doubt and unbelief. I like what Warren Worsby, in his commentary, what he says. He suggests that one of the reasons that Jesus brought the blind man out of the village is because Bethsaida, the village, had already been judged because of its unbelief. It says in Matthew 11, starting at verse 21, it says, Woe to you, Terazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the miracles that occurred in you had occurred in Tyre and Sidon. They would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Nevertheless, I say to you, it would be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. Worsby's telling us, Jesus has already judged Bethsaida. He's not doing miracles and signs and wonders there anymore. That's part of the reason I believe that God really did say, take this blind man and escorted him out of the village. But I think there's also some other, well, some other key things that we can see in Jesus escorting him out of the village. He was not going to offer any more signs and wonders, of course. But like physical blindness, when we are spiritually blind, we too find comfort in that familiar. 
And we begin to embrace the familiar voices, even if those are voices of doubt and unbelief. With our unresolved pain and unresolved offenses and unforgiveness, we attempt to find comfort in sharing our painful, our crushing story to those who will listen. So we can share how we've been done wrong. So we can share how we were betrayed and we're the victim. And we get to share that story over and over and over again. And if that doesn't work, then we find a private place to be where we begin to rehearse and we begin to meditate on the events of that day. And, and it all of a sudden it's going over and over and we just regurgitate it. Like the dog, he goes back to his own vomit. Yet in our darkness, the darkness of pain, we don't see the hazardous pit of despair that has led us to a life now where we doubt and we don't have any belief in God anymore. We've surrounded ourselves with a village of unbelief. It's in this state that we slowly begin to neglect our faith in God. We stop going to church. Wow, we still love God. We just don't go to church very much. It kind of starts off with not going to the midweek stuff, and then we aren't going to church on Sundays very often, and then we just kind of stop altogether. We spend spending time with God daily. We're not praying. We're not reading. We're not listening to worship music. We're not worshiping. Before you know it, our walk is far away. And then somebody would dare have the audacity to come and say, listen, do you understand how important it is to go to church and, and spend time with the Lord and, and to embrace fellowship and worship? And immediately and quickly, the wounded person who's in their darkness of blind, their spiritual blindness, they push back and say, how dare you be so judgmental? What gives you the right to say something like that to me? And then everybody backs up. And yet, the issue of you not being faithful in your walk has never been addressed. And next thing you know, you're calling everybody a hypocrite. But the good news is, the good news is, is Jesus wants to take you by the hand. And He wants to remove you from that dark place where there's doubt and unbelief and deceit and all the lies of the enemy of your soul. And He wants to take you out from that village, that place of darkness, where you've been begging for help. Take you out. Now it might feel like a foreign place. and You don't know the sounds. You don't know the voices. And then all of a sudden there's this stillness there. And it's just you, and it's just Him, the voice of Jesus. It's there that things will be different. It's there where you'll be exposed and influenced only by the voice of Jesus. Truth. Let's go to three. See, God chooses the way He wants to bring healing. 
You know, I, I've tried to tell God, you know what? You, you need my clock, my, my watch, Lord, because your timing seems really off. <laughs> God, you're supposed to, to bring the miracle this way. God, I, 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 how many times do I have to pray and tell you that this has to be done like this? I mean, Marvin's will, Marvin's way. I mean, do you understand what I'm saying? In Mark chapter 8, verse 23, part B of that, to 25, it reads, And after spitting in his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see people, for I see them like trees walking around. Then again, he laid his hand on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. Now, if you're that blind guy, and Jesus takes you out away from the village and now spits into your eyes, what are you going to think? I mean, that just has to take you by surprise. Folks, God is sovereign. His ways are not our ways. I do not know why Jesus used his saliva. He used his saliva even on the deaf guy. And he, here he uses his saliva on this blind guy. Now, of course, the DNA of Jesus, if that was to be you know, used anywhere, it would cause miracles. But i got to be honest with you. Th this way seems foreign to me. It would seem foreign to almost anybody. But it's not an issue of, of I don't understand. It's an issue of I trust, even when I don't understand stand that's the bigger point so it's so easy to miss the forest because of the tree that's right in front of you let's also please catch this point this miracle th this healing was progressive it was not instantaneous. There are those times when the, the signs of God, the wonders of God, the healings of God, the move of God, they are not going to be instantaneous. Sometimes they're going to be progressive. They're going to come a little bit here and a little bit there, here, there, there. It's going to come, but maybe not all at once. And we have to be okay with that because God is sovereign now here's four god directed the healed man to not go back to the village of unbelief jesus told him to not even enter the village jesus was telling him to go back to to the place where jesus found him in his darkness this man was no longer blind he no longer had the need to go back to the village, to the village of unbelievers, and beg them. You know, there are going to be places in your life where God sets you free. And He's going to tell you, don't even go back. Don't go back to that, that place, that group of people who don't believe, who are struggling. Don't go back there. 
Because that stuff's going to get on you. Go your own way. Go back to your own home. Do, do you not catch that? There was a designated place for this blind man who was now healed. And he didn't need that village. All he needed was the life God had in front of him. You know, the word deception. I mean, it really could be described as the power of one's eyes being wide open and yet unable to see because of deceit. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Paul writes this because that is how deception works. Our struggle in life are always rooted in the enemy of our souls. Whether we look at the election or we look at personal matters in our life, we look at this, we look at that, and we're struggling. Folks, we struggle not against politicians. We struggle not against judges. We struggle not against people, but against principalities and powers in high places. It's when we have to pull back and say, Jesus, what do you want me to see? What do you want me to do? I want to be about the great commission. I want to be about the great commandment. May I not be deceived by the issues of the world. That's why it's so important to be constantly feeding our soul the word of God. To be in fellowship, to be worshiping, to be praising God, to be thanking God in good times and in the most hardest of hardest times. Otherwise, we become, well, we become vulnerable to lies and we become vulnerable to deceit. We become vulnerable to be a person of doubt and unbelief, which will bring about spiritual blindness. You know, there's a movie called Inception, and uh, it, it really is, a, it makes you work your mind. It's not an easy movie to follow along. But in the dream, everything appears will, because this is a, a, a movie about um, the main actor who's all about dreams. And, and when they're in a dream, they really think everything is super real. They're able to create things and move things, and it's a powerful thing, and then they can actually have somebody else come into their dream, and in that dream, there's another layer of a dream. So you have a dream inside of a dream. Then it can go again to another dream. And to, I mean, they can go four or five layers deep, and being in one person, two people, three people, it's, it's really crazy. Well, because you're in so many different dreams, it's hard to tell what reality is. And so what the lead actor does is he devises a little tool he gets a little top and he spins it on a table. And as long as it's spinning and spinning and spinning, if it never stops and tips over, then he knows he's in a dream. But if it stops and tips over, he's in reality. You see, he needed to discover, he discovered that for his own safety, for his own sanity, that he needed some kind of objective truth. That outside of himself, 
He could not trust. He had to trust something outside of himself. So he found the top. Folks, in the world that we live in, we are struggling to trust the media, the fake news, the politicians, all sorts of things that we're struggling to trust right now. We need some kind of objective truth that is the same yesterday, that is the same today, and that is the same tomorrow. And that objective truth is Jesus. It's the Word of God. If you're struggling, just ask you, reach out your hand and watch Jesus tenderly take it. And he'll guide you to the place you need to be. And he'll touch you and all of a sudden bring healing to your soul and bring you hope like you've never had before. Nothing's impossible with him. I don't know what you're facing. I don't know if it's so dark you can't see anything. You know, when you're holding somebody's hand, it doesn't matter because Jesus can guide you even in that darkness to a place of light, of hope, of love. Well, Father, I just pray for everybody watching this. Lord, I pray if somebody is watching this and they're saying, I am in a season of darkness. I've been in a season of darkness and I want to be set free. I just say, would you just reach out your hand to Jesus? Would you just say, Jesus, whatever you want, even if it's strange and awkward, even if there's spit in my eye, I don't understand that, but I'm just going to trust you. I don't want the enemy of my soul to have any more of my life, to have me have all these grudges and this bitterness and this unforgiveness. And Lord, would you guide me? Would you set me free? Would you give me a hope and a future? Oh, Lord, have your will, have your way in me. God, I pray blessing on your people. Let them know that, Father, you are the one who sets people free from a place of darkness. We pray your will, we pray your way in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Hey, God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.